Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. What a great God we serve. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray together. Father, Lord, we just love you and thank you for all that you've done in our lives, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have led us to the Red Sea, led us through many different hard times in our lives, Lord, that maybe we didn't realize or know how it was going to happen, but somehow, some way, you made a way. Father, we thank you for that, Lord, that we can have faith to believe even now for the things that we're facing, knowing you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you made a way then, you can make a way now. Lord, if you healed then, you're still a healer now. And you saved then, you're still a savior now. And Lord, you're more than ever, more than enough for any situation or anything that we face. We love you with all of our hearts. We thank you, Father, for all that you've done in our lives. Lord, we ask God that you would just touch us tonight by your spirit. Minister to our needs in our life, Lord. You know the needs that we have. We give it unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's turn to Lamentations 3. Amen. It's good to be back home and be with you today. And there's no, no place like home. Amen. With our loved ones and our friends. But I'm looking forward to a time that it won't matter how far away we are that we'll be able to just travel like a thought and be there and travel and be together. I believe that day is coming very soon. Amen. I'm bringing you greetings from Brother David Mayer and the church there and also Brother David Iverson and their church. We ministered there in Switzerland, France border there on the, the first weekend we were gone and had four services and amen. The Lord just really moved and touched a lot of hearts and a lot of testimonies have come out of that and then me and my family, we'd go from there, spend a few days in Paris, and then go on to Belgium and minister there that weekend. And Amen. God's still the same no matter where you are. Amen. And he's still moving in his people. It's, things are happening all over this world. And sometimes we don't realize just how much God is doing and how much God is moving, but he's moving. And he's healing. He's delivering. He's bringing prodigals home. He's saving Amen. Just witnessed uh, people being filled with the Holy Ghost and prodigals coming back to the Lord and, and the healings taking place. And we just want to thank the Lord for all of that. And, amen. But again, it's good to be home. God bless you tonight. Let's look at Lamentations 3 and verse 55. It said, I called upon thy name, O Lord, out of the low dungeon, and thou hast heard my voice. Hide not thine ear to my breathing at my cry. Thou drewest near in the day that I called upon thee, and thou saidest, Fear not. O Lord, thou hast pleaded the causes of my soul, and thou hast redeemed my life. I want to read that verse in the Amplified. It says, O Lord, you have pleaded my soul's cause. You have guided my way and protected me, and you have rescued and redeemed my life. O Lord, thou hast seen my wrong, judge thou my cause. Thou hast seen all their vengeance and all their imaginations against me. Thou hast heard their reproach, O Lord, and all their imaginations against me. The lips of those that rose up against me and their device against me all the day. Behold, they're sitting down and they're rising up. I am their music. I'll read that also in the Amplified. It says, look at their sitting and their rising, their actions and secret counsels. I am their mocking song or the subject of their ridicule. 
But render unto them a recompense, O Lord, according to the works of their hands. Give them sorrow of heart and thy curse unto them. Persecute and destroy them in anger from under the heavens of the Lord. Also, John chapter 14 and verse 16 said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth in the world, world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. Amen. We'll let you be seated. Um, kind of kind of still in between here in Europe somewhere. I haven't caught up with myself, so I uh, just got in last night about midnight and bed about one o'clock and got up this morning, but we're here to serve the Lord and we're thankful to be in his service. Amen. This time that we're living in, we're living in a crazy time, but it's also a wonderful time. Amen. I like how Brother Branham put it. He said, we're living in a very terrible time. And he said, but a terrible time for the unbeliever. He said, but it's the most wonderful time for a believer because we're right at the coming of the Lord. And I, I believe that with all my heart. I, I actually spoke this for the first time at, the, at those tent meetings at Brother Matt Morse's. And the Lord put this on my heart. So you kind of get in the reverse side of things. Normally you speak things at your home church and go out and minister, to, uh, minister there. But I, I would like to speak to you on he has taken your case. He has taken your case. I, I was looking at this scripture in John chapter 14, and he says, I'll give you another comforter. This comforter in the King James Bible, it, it means helper or advocate. It means someone who is summoned and called to one side in order to help you. Someone who pleads another cause before a judge. It's a counsel for defense, for the defense or a legal assistant, an advocate or intercessor. Job would find this and he would speak about him in Job chapter 16 and verse 19. It said, even now behold my witness that is in heaven and my advocate who vouches and testifies for me on high. First John two and verse one would say it like this, my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You know, I, I was looking at this thought upon the advocate and how God has taken our case. And, and I'm, I'm thankful today that he's taken our case. That he's not just allowed it to just go on and, and t the time to just tarry. It's for a reason and for a purpose. And, but God is actually advocating or uh, standing on our side and on our behalf even now. Amen. Before the Father. And so I, I was looking at a quote. Brother Brown said, God took me in and now I'm his child. And, he, and look what he's done for us. Look what he is for us. And his riches. He, in his riches, he became poor, that in his poverty, we might become rich. And in his immortality, he became flesh, that he might take on our sickness. That is his sickness, that in his sickness, we might have health. In all my sins, he was sinless, and but he took my sins that I might become sinless. He became me that I might become him in heaven. 
and he stands as mine and your representative, then God doesn't look to us or look at us. He looks at our representative, Christ, that is standing there in our stead, representing us before the Father. He said, you know, if you ever had a court trial, you would get a representative and he would stand before you as an attorney and he would plead your cause. Who knows how to do it any better than he does? When he was the very son of the father standing in the presence of God to plead the sinner's case, if we confess, being rich, yet he became poor, that through his poverty, we might become rich. Rich in what? Money? No, rich in heavenly blessings, rich in spiritual things. We who were once poor now become rich through his poverty. He stripped himself. He humiliated himself. He came down, the great divine one from above in humiliation, came down and brought himself down, humbled himself into a body of flesh to walk among men, hearing the cursing and the swearing of men, feeling the pains of sickness and of death, and upon himself that through it all, that not because he had to, but because love brought him to it. And he'd done all of that and became sick and had trouble. You say he was sick. Certainly he was sick. Didn't he make his own thing in himself when he made a statement? He said, won't they say to me, physician, heal yourself? Sure. He bore our sicknesses. He bore our griefs and he bore our sorrows and he bore our sins. Amen. Why? Because he is now standing as our advocate. He knows what it's like to be sick. He knows what it's like to have grief. See, he knows what it's like to have uh, to come against sin and different thoughts and sorrows and all of that. And but so therefore he wouldn't if he didn't know what it was like, he wouldn't know how to represent you. He wouldn't know how to be an advocate for you. He wouldn't know how to how to stand there and plead your case and to plead your cause because if somebody's never been through what you've been through, they can't tell you what it's like to go what you go through what you went going through. Amen. But somebody that's been there, somebody that's walked in those same places and those same footsteps, they know how to be an advocate for you. They know how to stand for you. They, and if somebody's got really your, you in their, you in their best interest or, 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 you know, you on their heart, they'll stand there and they'll plead their, your cause. They'll, they'll hold you before whatever they're going through and, and plead the cause. You know, if you had committed a crime and you were going to be tried in a court, you know, that you would find, that you, if you were found guilty you were going to die you're going to electric chair or to a gas chamber or some public uh, execution and you were going to have be hung or something lynched whatever the penalty was and you knew you were guilty you knew you must die but if you don't get some good attorney to represent you, you was not there was not going to be a way out of it but so you would want the best that you could get Amen. And you wouldn't want somebody that didn't know a lick about nothing, that never won a case, that had never, never got anybody. You want the best that you could get, and you would be willing to pay all that you could to get that person. And so you'd want somebody that could stand there and, and could plead your case, and he could look at the laws, and he could dissect it, and he could find a way that you would not have to die, but he could find a way with a judge or find a way with a jury somehow that you could live. And you would want the very best that you could 
could get. And if you would even find this person, you could get the most money. Somebody give you a great big donation to get the best. And, and the best one is hardly maybe never lost a case or, or had been there and got people out of worse trouble that you had been in. It would still be a question in your mind. There would still be something there that wondering if he could really do what he says he could do. If he, he could really change the jury's mind or, or the judge's, judge's idea about you. And through his speaking and knowing all the laws, and if he could change it, if he could really plead it, if he could really prove it that you would live. And yet, in all of his great authority and his great speech that he could make and the impressions he could put upon the jury and upon the judge. And, and, and you know, maybe, maybe you can relax a few minutes, but still, there would be a question in your mind. Can he do it? Can he do it? Can he, can he really change the judge's mind? Can he, can he move the jury just enough to, that, that I don't have to go to an to electric chair or to a hanging? Or in, but, in, but in this case, but in this case tonight, amen, the judge is, is himself is also your attorney. Amen. God became man. He took your place. Amen. And he came down so he could stand there and know what it's like to go through sickness and know what it's like to go through sin and know what it's like to go through trouble. Amen. And and you don't have to pay for this judge. You don't have to pay for this attorney. It's already been paid for. And it's the best. Amen. Listen, if you if you got cancer, you'd want the best doctors. Amen. If you got some kind of thing in your life or some kind of sickness, you wouldn't want some fly-by-night guy that said, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to grab a, a DeWalt drill and we're going to come in here and we're going to open this up with a sawzall. And we're, no, you wouldn't want somebody that had a little education. Somebody that knew exactly where they was going and how they was going to attack it, how they was going to remove it, what they was going to do. You wouldn't want somebody who had been there before. Amen. When I, you know, when I got laser surgery done on my eyes, I had used to have, uh, uh, I don't know if Brother Philip, I don't see him here tonight, but Brother Philip, he saw me one time in my glasses and he said, you got glasses so thick you ought to be able to see in the future with. <laughs> I had some bad eyes. And so I went and found me, Brother Tim was getting some surgery and we found out this guy could fix it and correct it. But you know what? I didn't want somebody that never done it before. I didn't want somebody that had never operated on eyeballs before. I wanted the best. So you know what we found? We found the guy who was teaching other people how to do it. Amen. I didn't want just anybody messing with my eyes. I just I didn't want just anybody saying, well, I got out of school yesterday and I'm ready to do something today. No, I wanted the best that I could find. Amen. And, I, and when you got cancer, you want the best that you can find. The best doctor. If you're, you're, in, you're in trouble with the law, you want the best that you can find. Well, I'm here to tell you, church, we have the best. He's never lost a case. Hallelujah. Amen. He's the best advocate. He's the best stand between. He'll stand between you and your sickness. He'll stand between you and your sin. He'll stand between you and your trouble. He'll stand between you and your issues. And yea, though I walk through a valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Amen. The judge that is standing there is not against you. The judge is for you. Amen. He becomes both judge, jury, and attorney. He's pleaded our case and he's standing there. He took it upon himself and he died and he paid the price and he shed his own blood and he gave back his own life for you. Why? We're standing here perfectly. The case is dismissed. 
Hallelujah. The case is dismissed. There's no more case to it. Hallelujah. Amen. Maybe you've done all the wrong you can do and you sinned all the sin you can sin. But all you got to do is say, Father, forgive me. And he'll dismiss your case and he'll lay it aside and it'll never be remembered no more. The token has been applied and death when death begins to smite against the door, it has no control. Come on, somebody. I'm here to tell you death has no control. Death is only a doorway to step into another dimension. Death does not control our lives. Death has already been defeated. Hallelujah. Amen. Our, our advocate, our judge came and took on death himself and he put it under his feet. Therefore, death has no fear in it to a believer. Death has no control over us. Death does not determine the day that we die. Hallelujah. The token is applied. It has no control. The token is recognized. He, he did that so the token would come. He gave his own life. God's life was given out. God came down. And he says, he, says, he came down to take on our sins. He came to become one of us. That's a real lamb. That will become one of us. It's his purpose he had in his mind. That's the reason the lamb was identified in the Garden of Eden, knowing that, that, that sooner or later, many thousands of years later, there was going to be the Lamb of God that would come. Amen. And so he put that Lamb and he ripped off that skin and he threwed it on Adam and Eve. Why? Because it was their stand between or their go between, between their sin and between God. But we know the Bible teaches and the, and the prophet of God teaches that the life of that Lamb could not come back upon the believer. Therefore, David, he would plead his case and, Lord, I've sinned against you, created me a clean heart, renew a right spirit in me, but and God would forgive him but he would still have that desire he would still have that, that want that lust or whatever it was in his life but when this lamb came this judge became our attorney and he wiped away the case and he said it is finished it is over with, death has no more power, sin has no more power, amen sickness has no more power Amen. Sickness does not determine the day you die. It has no, it has no control. It has no power in it. Hallelujah. When we can realize our enemy has lost his power. It, can, it has no power to determine if I breathe another breath or I live another day. It has no power. It has lost its power. I'm here to tell you, cancer has lost its power. Every disease has lost its power. Every sin has lost its power. It, has, it cannot control your life any longer. It cannot control your ways no longer. It cannot determine how long you live. It cannot determine nothing about you. The one in control, the judge has become your attorney and he's standing there pleading your cause. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. It's a token that's over the door saying the price has been paid. That when the death angel comes, it looks and sees the blood and says, I can't enter in there. 
Hallelujah. Therefore, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you've passed from death to life. Come on now. You've passed from death to life. That's what the token is showing. This old man died. (laughs) Death, you're too late. I've already died. Amen. This old man died. And a new man lives that cannot die. Oh, you can put me in a grave somewhere, but what's on the inside of me cannot die. Hallelujah. But on that resurrection morning, it's going to come up out of that grave. Come on, somebody. Therefore, death does not decree how long you live. Amen. Sickness does not decree how long you can live. It has no control. Takes the fear out of it. When you realize it has no control, it has nothing, no power to do anything. Amen. The Lord determines what day I live and what day I die. Amen. He's the one in control. A token is a sign the price has been paid. It's over with. It's finished. He said like the railroad company or bus company, you go in, you want to ride it, you have to have a token. You have to purchase your fare. You pay for it. You give your token that your fare's already been paid. That's what you have to give to a, a streetcar, railroad, bring it on up in our language, an airplane. Hey Amen. You know, when, I, when I, we flew over, over there and flew back, you know, I'd never had to worry about that if I had a seat or not because I had a token. I paid the price. It was already done. We took nine people with us, and every one of us didn't have to, none of us had to worry about a seat. We all had it. We showed us what seat we assigned to, where we was going to sit, how we, how, whether what class we was in, this, that, and the other. And so, you know, it, it was there showing us. So we walked up. We just scanned our ticket. There wasn't an ounce of fear. They said, wow, I wonder if I don't have a seat. I wonder if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to get on this plane. No, there wasn't no fear. I never fear, feared that at all. I just went up there and scanned my ticket because I knew the price had been paid. So that ought to, when you realize the price has been paid, amen, for you, to, for you a seat on the train to glory. It's already done. It's already paid for. It's already finished. There's no fear about it. There's no fear of worrying that you're going to have a seat or you're not going to have a seat. No, I have a seat, all right. It's at a table a thousand miles long. And ain't nobody can take my seat. Ain't nobody else can fill my seat. Ain't nobody else can sit there. It has been predestinated by Almighty God and it has my name on it. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm not worried about it. The price has already been paid. This is what the token does for you. It's what the Holy Ghost does for you. It shows you that it's over with, that it's finished, that it's done, that it's complete, and the devil can't do nothing about it. I mean, you know, they may cancel an airplane flight and you may not get to go for a few days, but I can tell you right now, the devil will not cancel this flight. Amen. He cannot delay it one moment. He cannot delay it one hour. He can't delay it a day. And so when it's time to go, this plane is going to take off. And those that have been ordained to a seat will be on there. Hallelujah. The life came from the sacrifice. And now the blood was a token and orders. His orders had been carried out. The blood... So it was showing that when I see the blood, I know the death price has been made. 
and I'll pass over you. The believing worshiper was identified with the sacrifice by the token that it was done. The worshiper who believed Jehovah had met Jehovah's requirements, had identified himself by applying the token to himself and to his house. That was the worshiper that believed It's a perfect type of Christ today. The blood was a token of identification that this believer has already made and met Jehovah's requirement. I'm sure the death angel will have to pass from my house because I've met Jehovah's token. I've met his requirement. A lamb has died instead of me and he died for my family and for my loved ones that's under this blood and there is a token that the lamb is dead. It is finished and then he said, when I think of that, my heart jumps for joy. Now that animal life could not come back upon the believer so that therefore the blood had to stand for the token the blood wrapped up in the animal was started with a single cell and is shed when that animal's blood was shed but that life could not come back so the blood had to stand for a token of death he said but now we have a token in this day that was a natural now we have a supernatural supreme token and it's the Holy Spirit that stands over our life that's our advocate that stands for us that comes upon our need that comes upon our behalf, and when we call, he will answer. It's a token, it's identification that is finished, that it's over with, that it's done. And he goes on, he says, therefore we also have to identify ourselves with our sacrifice. We have to identify in his death. When the Jews placed his hand upon the sacrifice, he was identifying himself, transferring his sins to his sacrifice. Now we place our hands by faith upon the Lord Jesus Christ and are identified with him in his death. Not only in his death, but we're identified in his death, but also in his resurrection by the life that was in him. It's now coming to the believer as a token, a memorial that we have passed from death unto life. He said, I know it works. I know it's true. I've tried it. There is no other ism, no other workup, no other schemes, no gimmicks, no nothing. It's the word of God. Amen. That God requires, and there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. It's only what he has already done. And if the lamb is accepted, we are also accepted. So the lamb laying upon the altar was an advocate. It was a go-between. It was an answer between a sin that had taken place. And God was not looking at the worshiper. God was looking at the lamb. And if the lamb was perfect and accepted, then if the lamb was accepted, then the worshiper was also accepted. Hallelujah. And we know our lamb was accepted. He laid himself down and he said, It is finished. It is over with. It is done. What was he saying? The price is paid. When he said that statement, it is finished, I want you to understand when he said finished, that meant sin was finished. Sickness was finished. Death was finished. Every sin that could ever be imputed to man was finished. All they had to accept was the work's been done and I accept the life over me and in me to guide me and to lead me. There is the gospel. 
Amen. It wasn't just a chemical blood, but the spirit of that blood to come back. You know, we was actually in, where was that, in Bruges, Belgium, and they have a Catholic, you know, Catholics everywhere over there. But anyway, <sighs> try to get you to pay for everything. You know, they say they literally have a, in this certain church, I didn't, I didn't pay to go in there and see it, because frankly, I don't believe it. But anyway, they said they have an actual a little vessel of the actual blood of Jesus Christ, and they charge you to look at it. Oh, well, ain't that, ain't that a, a paradox, or a, what is it? What's the word? I'm looking for a different word. Oxymoron, that sounds about right, a bunch of morons. <laughs> Lord, help me. I told you. I told somebody I'm not responsible for tonight. <laughs> I'm somewhere about over Iceland, I think. But anyway, they had this, they had this, this little cruise, they said, and they, they actually march up and down the streets with it and people bowing and kneeling and over this little bit of ounce of blood, paying money to, to go look at it and to look, put the, and, and who knows, it might be lamb's blood. It, it might be dog's blood. I don't know what kind of blood it is. But I know the blood that was shed for me was without price. It was the price. It paid the price. It paid it all. It paid for every sin. It paid for every doubt. It paid for every mind battle. It paid for every disease. It paid for cancer. It paid for sugar diabetes, high blood pressure, you want to name it. It paid for it all. And it didn't cost me nothing. But it cost him everything. But he, he freely gives us, if you'll freely receive it, and then no devil, no sickness, no death, no sorrow, nothing can bother you as long as you hold that token. Amen. Your unchanging face pulsating through that, it forms a form of Jesus Christ, the image that you're walking in today. When I see the token, I'll pass over you. It's a sign. It's a sign the price has been paid. Jesus paid it all. Holding the token in your hand, you have the assurance of the resurrection. You have the assurance of everything you have need of in this journey. You have the assurance of healing. You have the assurance of deliverance. You have the assurance of peace. You have the assurance of joy. You have the assurance of it all. There's no devil can stand before it. There's nothing that can stand in between because God has accepted it. And as long as you're holding it in your hand, the price has been paid. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Standing about right there just the other night on that prayer lines, putting people, putting oil on people's head, foreheads. You know why we do that? It's not just out of a formality or some hocus pocus. No, it's out of the Bible for one thing. And the Bible said, anoint them with oil. You know what that that oil is representing? The token, the Holy Ghost, that the price has already been paid, and that that oil is representing the Holy Spirit. And when we put that oil upon you, if you're sick or you need deliverance or you need something in your life, it is standing there as an advocate, as a go-between, as a standing in in between you and whatever you're dealing with. So if you get cancer, it's standing in between you and your cancer hallelujah if you got issues in your life it'll stand between you and plead your case and plead your cause and say hey he's not guilty of it anymore it's done with it's finished it's over with he's healed he's delivered it's done 
<laughs> I got a phone call today that about sent me over the moon from Sister Jeannie Camp. So they're in the office getting ready for this. I already had these things on my heart. And she said that she's now have what, two treatments? About to have your third next week. She went to the doctor and he said, you want some good news? And he told her about her numbers. Her cancer numbers have been cut in half. Hallelujah. Amen. What was it? It's the oil. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit of God that is standing there between her and that disease. Hallelujah. And I want to say this with all my heart, Sister Jeannie. He has taken your case. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You can, we can have the best doctors and thank God for them and the best nurses and thank God for them. But if he says, I'll take it. If he says, I'll take it right now, it's finished, it's over with, it's done. Hallelujah. And we're not talking about a doctor who's lost half of his patients or lost half of his cases. We're talking about a God who has not lost one. Hallelujah. But if he takes your case, it's over with, it's finished, it's done. Woo, hallelujah. I can't tell you how many times this advocate has canceled the devil's plans. Woo. Amen, Sister Lana. He canceled the plans of the enemy over your life. He said, if I knew my life was at stake, at stake, I'd hire the best attorney I could find. Every person would. It's only the sensible thing to do. But in this case, to know that you're going to an electric chair, you're going to be separated from your family, you die, whatever. But this attorney is trying to plead your case. Now, the attorney may think that he has it all put down just perfect. But you see, the judge is going to decide the case, whether the attorney can make it clear to him that you're justified. The attorney has got to make it so clear to the judge that the judge will see the justice of your act. He said, oh God, if the people could only see this, our judge is our attorney. <laughs> Hallelujah. If the people can only see this, I said, God, open our eyes tonight. Our judge is our attorney. The case is settled. It's all over with. The same one as judge is our attorney. The case is settled. We have the token. It's already been paid for. It's done. The case is settled. The Holy Ghost is here for a token that we've already passed from here into the lands beyond. We're free from sin, not of sin no more, not of the world no more. Little children, you're not of the world. Our judge and our attorney, the same person. So the case is settled. The case was so great against us. The case that we had sinned was so great against us that not even an archangel could plead it. He couldn't do it. He could, there wasn't enough lambs. There wasn't enough, enough animals in the whole earth that could take away our sin. 
He could not meet the requirement. No angel, no cherubim, no seraphim, nothing can meet the price. The only thing that could be done to save the the human race was the judge come and take their place and become their attorney. And that's exactly what he's done. It is finished. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's exactly what happened. That was the judge that spoke there on the cross and said, it is finished. It's done. It's over. (laughs) I've shed the blood. Satan, you lost again. You lost again. If Satan would have knew what the shedding of that blood would do, he would not let him fall down and scrape his knee. He'd have moved every rock. He'd have put padding down everywhere. Because if that blood is shed, it's over with. But that dumb devil didn't realize. He thought, surely if this would be God, he could do this and that'd be done. Dumb devil. If it was God, he would have come out of the heavens and he would have had a trumpet salute. He's going to. But he had a trumpet salute and he would come down, roll the red carpet, walk right down into Caiaphas' temple there and say, here I am. But I just can't believe. Because he knew how great this God was. He'd been before him. He knew what it, he'd been. He worshiped him for millions and millions of years. He knew what the greatness of this God. How could a God so great become that? But if he'd have known, he would not have let that blood, not, he wouldn't have let him have a split nail. Nothing. He'd have tried to preserve it, tried to hold it, tried to keep it as long as he could. But he was so fooled. That can't be him. Got to be just like Elijah or one of them others. I took them down. I'll take him down too. But that bee began to whirl around that cross. <laughs> it stung Elijah and, and done his job. It has stung all the prophets and done his job. But here he comes around this one. And he says, it is finished. And bee was laughing. I did it again. Why can't I get loose? I got more to, and it ripped a stinger out. (laughs) Christ's death didn't just change you, it changed the devil forever. He lost his power. He lost his ability. He lost his, 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 his moments of fame. He lost it all right there. And the judge said, it's finished. Why did he say it then? So you would never have to hear it now. You don't want him to look at you and say it's finished. Going to hell forever. You don't want that judgment. So he made that judgment then, but it wasn't against you. It was against your enemy. Ain't that amazing? Could you imagine a guy that would have such a case that he thought, man, I'm going to win this and I'm going to win millions of dollars and I'm going to, I'm going to self-suit and it's going to be over with. And he had such a case that was so well built and so done and thought, man, I got it wrapped up. It's over with. It's finished. They're going, like, they're going to hell like the rest of them. But all of a sudden, the judge takes off his coat and he steps down and becomes the attorney. And he begins to plead the case. And he begins to plead the cause. And he said, it's done. It's finished. 
It's over with. There's no more case to it. Hallelujah. You owe millions of, you couldn't pay it all. It was impossible to pay for your sin. It was impossible to add it all up and to have enough to pay for it, but you didn't have to. He came and he wrote over it. It is done. It's finished. So what is there to fear? I'll take a drink of water on that one. What, <clears throat> what is there to fear? Cancer? No, it's finished. Sins? Nope, finished. Sickness? Nope, finished. Death? Nope, finished. Satan himself? Nope, finished. What is it? What you dealing with? It ain't nothing to fear. <laughs> what is there to fear? The judgment that should have been yours fell upon him at the cross. And at the grave when he descended was for us. Everything he done was for us. He absorbed the full brunt of the wound of sin. There is now for therefore no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus for surety. Our attorney is our judge. He's both attorney and judge. The judge, as judge, the case is settled. It is finished. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Man, if we can strip the condemnation over powerful people's lives and they realize the price is already paid, you don't have to carry that no more. You don't have to carry that past stuff and that nonsense in your life. If you've asked for forgiveness, it's over with. It's finished, so kick it off. Quit carrying it. Quit walking around with past mistakes and past failures and past unbelief and past things. It's all done. It's finished. It's over with. What kind of fathers would we have here today if there was no condemnation? What kind of sisters would we have and mothers would we have if there was no condemnation? Well, let's deal with it. It is finished. It is over with. It is done. Your past is forgiven. Why should the church fear? Why should we fear? Cancer, it's finished. Death, it's done. It's over with. It's, it's finished. The thing you've been worrying about all week is finished. It's done. We sing it. It's already done. It's already, well, believe it. Sing it like you believe it. It's finished. He's already paid the price. He's already gave me the rights. He's already done it so I can have what he said I can have. I can be what he said I can be. I can rise above where I am. What you need to do is to start using that stuff that's holding you down and throw it down and use it something to step on to get up higher. Not push you down, but pick you up higher. Amen. Rise above it. 
He said, why, what should, why, why should it fear punishment? Punishment. Well, it's hard to get punished if you ain't done nothing. We're not talking about somebody that don't know everything. You know, I understand. Sure, yeah, I'm sure there's children in here that took a whooping that you didn't actually deserve. But I can promise you, you got a lot of things you did deserve more for that you didn't get. But we're not talking about parents that don't know all everything and exactly how it all happened. They're trying by the goodness of their mind and heart and trying to decipher what's really true, what's really wrong, and decide whether you need a whooping or not. But most time you needed it regardless anyhow. <laughs> but we're talking about a God who knows all things. We're talking about a God who knows every blink of every gnat's eye. He knows everything. So but why should we feel punish, fear punishment when we ain't done anything? in his sight when you ask for forgiveness it's over with so leave it there at the altar don't pick it up again don't pick up your past mistakes don't pick up your past failures and your past this quit quit worrying about the past too many people let the future be ruined by the past that was good amen Preach it. Yeah, I'm going to do like brother. somebody does. Preach it. Too many people let the past, they let the past failures and the past mistakes ruin so much of their present and their future. They allow things that happened back there to become such a thing right now and they carry it and carry it and they're not careful. You're going to pass it from one generation to another generation to another generation. But somebody got to break the cycle. Somebody got to realize, I ain't got to fear this no more. It's finished. My past is over with. My past sins have been paid for and in the blood of the lamb. It's not that you want your debt cleared so you can go make more debt. No, the life has been changed. I love how Brother Tim uses that analogy about a rich man come and pay off all your debt. That's all fine and dandy, but you can go out and make new debts. And this man here, he knows how to, how to operate with money and save money and do things. And he comes and he, out of the goodness of his heart, pays off everything. You can go make more debts. This is what happens with people. They do come and they ask for forgiveness, but they don't get the life of the man who paid off his debts. You got to have his life. And then you'll have his, you'll have his ways. You have your, you'll have his ability to balance your checkbook and to keep it in the positive. Come on, somebody. Amen. Too many people are always in the red, in the negative. I'm talking about another thing more than your natural checkbook right now. I'm talking about your life. Always in the negative. It's always negative this, that, and the other. Amen. It's time that you get the life of Jesus Christ. He'll move you from the negative into the positive. Hallelujah. So why should we fear punishment or death? It's all been overcome. Here's the one who came and conquered both world seen and unseen. Hallelujah. So everything you can see with these natural eyes is conquered. It's finished. It's done. It's over with. Amen. Everything that you cannot see with these eyes, but you can see with some spiritual eyesight, it's conquered. It's done. It's finished. He said, not like Napoleon who conquered all of Europe, but was finally defeated at Waterloo. And he only, only to find himself conquered. He was banished to a prison himself. I actually visited his tomb. He's dead. 
Yep, he's dead. Killed a lot of people, but he died too. Tried to conquer the world. Got all caught up in his arrogance. Lost. Got banished to jail. A defeated person. And I looked at his shrine. It was huge. Taller than this place. Just beauty beyond imagination. And this big old huge casket sitting down in this hole. I was looking at it like, yep, you're dead. What good did all that do for you? I bet you would come back and want to rewrite some things. I was having a conversation whether he was listening or not. I bet you'd want to redo a few things in your life. All this monuments built to you probably ain't worth what you're dealing with right now. All this museum about what you've done and what I've walked through and all your history and how great you were and all that. I bet you'd try to come back and change some things right now if you could. That was that guy, Alexander, another guy, conquered the world, the known world, but lost. <laughs> but nothing can conquer Christ. Mm, mm, mm. He that descended has now ascended above all and unto him has been given a name that is above every name. He conquered death, he conquered hell, he conquered the grave, and as the keys thereof, what he looses is loose and what he binds is bound. And there's no changing of it. There's no conquer before him and there's none beside him. He alone is Savior, Redeemer, and he's the only God in the Lord Jesus Christ is his name. Don't fear, little flock. Don't fear, little flock. All that I am, you are heir to. All my power is yours. My omnipotence is yours as I stand in your midst. I have not come to bring fear and failure, but love and courage and ability. And all power is given unto me, and it's yours to use. Hallelujah. It's yours to use. You speak the word, and I'll perform it. That is my covenant, and it will never fail. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Do you realize what you're dealing with here this evening? You have a token that's in your hand and it has unlimited power. Unlimited ability. It'll still heal every sick person. Well, you say so-and-so died. It doesn't matter. It'll still heal every sick person. I'll tell you what, I'm just gonna drop this in right here. Your pastor went up there and spoke at Sister Erica's funeral. It would be well worth listening to. Answer your questions of why and this and the faith. And she had so much faith. Listen, it was her faith that took her there. I love that. It was her faith. She didn't lose faith. No, it was her faith that took her there. And I can promise you right now, she has no regrets. Be a little different conversation than her, her gravestone right now if I was there versus when I was at Napoleon's. I could say you had no regrets. I could say you don't want to come back here, I know. He said, I didn't know that. Well, I know a man that went beyond the curtain of time and he felt his body going back to himself. He's got a loving wife laying right next to him in the bed. He's got children right there in every door. And he said these words, do I have to go back? Do I have to go back to that body? They don't want to come back. They don't want to be here. <laughs> Hallelujah. But they are coming back. And they're going to take up these earthly bodies that's going to be transformed. 
Those theophanies are going to meet with these bodies and be moved into another realm. And we're going to go home with them. Hallelujah. But do you understand what we have here today? We don't have a checkbook that has limited abilities that can only pay so much. It can only pay so much debt. I don't care if it's the richest person in the world. It can only pay so much debt. It can only do so much. It can only buy so much. It can only produce so much happiness and so much joy. But I'm here to tell you, we don't have that checkbook. But we have a checkbook of unlimited resources, of unlimited abilities. It has enough power to heal every sick, to save every loss, to bring every prodigal home. Hallelujah. It has the power right now to bring you out of your doldrums and back into the joy of the Holy Ghost. It has the power to right now to raise you up out of your affliction and it be over in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. It's the word. You speak it and he'll perform it. It's done. It's already done. But no matter how great it is, excuse me, if you have a checkbook, if you don't ever write out a check, how do you figure you're ever going to get anything out of it? If you don't have faith in it, now, my checkbook has limited faith. <laughs> You're going to do just a few little things. But I ain't talking about my checkbook or even Brother Joe's checkbook. He can do a lot more, but even Brother Joe's checkbook. <laughs> or the richest person in here's checkbook. I'm not talking about your checkbook. I'm talking about the checkbook that's been given us by God. If you won't write something out, You don't have to sign your name. It's already been signed. You just got to fill it out and say, God, here it is. Take it up to the bank and see if it won't cash. We know know the, the story of Abraham Lincoln that wrote out a pardon for a man that was doomed to a firing squad and his friend coming interceded and on his behalf and said, my friend, he didn't mean to do what he did and Abraham Lincoln was moved and he wrote out a pardon just on a little piece of paper and wrote his name on Abraham Lincoln this friend came back to the place where his, where his buddy was in the jail and he said look I got your pardon it's finished it's over with it's done and the man refused it because it wasn't maybe on the right kind of paper he thought or couldn't be and it possible and he refused a written out pardon by Abraham Lincoln and he goes and dies at a firing squad. And they come out of the, of the, with a judgment that said a pardon is only a pardon if it's accepted as a pardon. The checkbook is only a checkbook if you act like it's a checkbook. If you're willing to look into it and say, God, I have a need. It's done. It's finished. Because you have unlimited resources. I don't have to fear this. Because you're here with me. I don't have to worry about it because you're in control. I don't have to look at it and worry how it's all going to work out. I just know it's going to work out because you said it would. And you accept it of how it's been done. Many times people look at things and say, well, it don't come the way I thought it would come. Well, if it comes, just accept it. It can come in a little, little package 
you know, a little, little man of short statue or tall statue or big statue or whatever. But when God speaks something, if you look at it and say, hey, that's for me. And you accept it as a pardon or as a need being fulfilled or, or a desire, then God will fulfill it. It'll be done. He said, tonight, I read that God gives us all things. He gives us a pardon. It's a pardon to those who wants to accept God's word as a pardon. Just to read it doesn't mean you're pardoned. Just to look at it does not mean you're pardoned. It means you have to accept it as your pardon that God had gave his son to die in your stead. Then it's a pardon. Then it's finished. Then you're released from the guilt. A pardon from God is a release from the guilt. Not to turn it away by psychology, a psychological doctrine of some sort. It's to give you, or give you a little feeling that you don't have what's right by joining a church or taking a creed. It's a release from your guilt by the power of Calvary. Something has released you. There's no more guilt. There's no more condemnation. There's no more sin. It is finished. It is done. It is over. God has extended us so much grace, unmerited grace. Musicians can come. Brother Branham told about a mighty king had a son, and it was his only son. One day a murderer killed that boy, and they hunted him down. They found him, and they put him in prison. A trial was set, and a sentence was made, and he was to be hung. They put him in the inner cell, locked the doors, gave him very little food and water. He was deserving of what he got, starving, thirsty. One day, the king came down to see him, to see who had murdered his boy. And to talk to him and tell him, to let him, let it, let him tell the story of what had happened. So I'm going down to talk to him. He went down and he found this little, what looked like a caged-in animal. A little skinny body locked in the corner, face all sunk in. Jaw, jaw sunk back, his eyes way back in the back of his head, matter all over him. No water, thirsty, laying there on his face crying. And the king come in and said, stand up! He came into him and he looked. He said, why did you kill my son? Why did you do it? Why did, what did he do to merit such a death, stabbing him with that spear? And he said, nothing, my Lord, not one thing. It was just my own stupid way. I killed him because I was jealous and I got in a temper fit. Now I'm to die and meet my justice. I realize that I deserve to die. The only thing I'm crying is I'm sorry that I killed that royal man like that without a cause. The king looked at that boy, whirled around, went out to the desk and said, destroy all the records. You know, he put them in the sea of forgetfulness. Destroy all the records. Wash him up. Clean him up. I'll send out a royal robe for him. After a while, this big limousine drove down to the door. Carpet was spread out all the way to the prison cell. 
The king stood by the door of that limousine and said, come, my son, and ride home with me to the palace. From henceforth, you are my son. Why? He had grace. That was me. That was you. We ever one killed the son of God. It was our sins that put him on the cross. We were alien, dirty, filthy, laying in the cells of the world. But the king came down. And he said, stand up. Get out of that dirt. Get out of that muck. Get out of that sin. Get out of that sickness. It's your turn to walk out of the cell. Hallelujah. He came to give grace. He had pity and he washed us and he cleansed us by his blood and he put his royal robe in the Holy Ghost. Woo! And now the great chariot of God will back up to the door someday and we'll jump on it and go home to live with him. All records have been destroyed. Somebody needs to shout right there. All records. All records have been destroyed. You cannot be judged. It is finished. Burn them up. He put them in the sea of our forgiveness, of his forgiveness, and he remembers them no more. No wonder we can sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. He took my case. When I deserve to die, I deserve punishment. I deserve to go to hell. I've done so much sin. But the king come into my cell. He said, destroy the records. What advocate you have. He don't look at you and say, well, you sorry, low down. He looks at you in the eyes of grace and love and mercy. We can truly say mercy rewrote our lives. When I deserve punishment and I deserve to die and I deserve to go to hell, mercy walked in and it pleaded my case. Can you sing that, Brother Tim? Mercy walked in. I think we can. Let's sing that. I don't know about you, but I remember the day. I remember it. Laying flat on my face. Worthy to be shot. Worthy to die. Worthy to go to hell. But mercy. Sister Lana looking at a death sentence. Looked like it was going to be over with. Doctor's reports didn't look so good. Standing in a courtroom. And the judge looked at her and said, It's finished. It's over with. Destroy the records. Cancel the devil's plans. Every one of us has those kind of stories. Every one of us has those moments in our lives we thought it was over, it's done. There's no way out of this. And all of a sudden the door, the jailhouse creaks open. 
and you're looking up to look at surely they got a gun for me surely they got a rope and it's the king he was the only one that could have sent you down to death but he pleaded your case and he said it's finished go ahead brother Tim I stood in the courtroom the judge turned my way it looks like you're guilty now what do you say I spoke of your honor. I have no defense. Oh, but that's when. But that's when. Oh, how this could 